Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. I'm going to talk to you about thanksgiving, about gratitude and about praise. First Thessalonians, we'll put it on the side screen, verse 5 to 16. The yellow, say the yellow with me. Be joyful. Oh, I love it. God's plan for our life is that we would be joyful. What a good start. Always pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray today we would have the joy of the Holy Spirit. I pray that we, as we pray and as we hear Your voice, as we lean into Your will, that there would be a spirit of gratitude, a spirit of praise and a spirit of thanksgiving on the inside of us, that we would walk out lighter, stronger, faith-filled with hope and peace in Jesus' Name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. There are trends that happen in the world at certain times. One of the trends that's going on right now and things that are on the up is if you notice, there's a trend where clothes from the 80s is coming back. Have you noticed 80s fashion? I heard a few people go, what? Cool. You might still be there. But who, some of the young guys, you're nailing it. You're nailing this 80s fashion thing. Who's, who's glad that 80s fashion is returning everywhere? A few of us. Who, who's just glad because they kept their clothes from the 80s and now it's suddenly cool again? Yeah, I see you, John. Uh, is, anyone, is anyone dreading this 80s fashion thing that's coming back? Shans and I are literally having conversations. Are we going to allow our kids to get a mullet when they ask for it? But if it's, it's the 80s, got to let them live. Um, what else is on the rise trending? The Olympics. Who's loving the Olympics? And Australia, doing pretty well. And hey, where's all our Filipino family? You got your first ever gold medal, yes! That person's set for life, you should have been an Olympian. Uh, it's good to see the Australians doing so well. Phil and uh, Glenda Farlam, part of our team, their niece in the backstroke uh, won two golds and a, and, and a bronze. How cool is that? And this week, Matty Glatzer is on the track. Make sure you're watching, praying for him or just cool. What else is on the rise? What else is trending right now? I know one, complaining. Whoa, good response. <laughs> Who's noticed around the world, online and just in life, complaining is on the rise? I'm gonna talk about this for a moment because I'm done with complaining. We're not meant to be complainers. When I'm watching, when, you're, when we're locked down at 11 o'clock, you know, and you're home and we're all watching the press conferences, right? They tell us what we can do and we can't do. And have you noticed before anyone even walks out to talk on the chat, guess what there is? A whole lot of complaining. And you just know it's complaining from people that are sitting at home, their heater is on, their clothes are comfy, their couch is padded, the Olympics is on the TV, the internet is streamed to their device where they're watching the press conference, they've got a coffee in one hand, and a bag of Doritos in the other. They're most likely paid to work from home and everyone's complaining. He talked to people today. He talked, I'm allowed to not wear a mask by the way when I'm articulating. Thank you, Stephen Arshall, this is good. I've noticed where people just around the place are more likely, how are you? The first thing they're gonna do is complain. 
What's going on? The first thing is to complain. Since when is Australia a complaining nation? Come on, I think it's time to bring gratitude back. I think it's time to bring, bring positivity and thanksgiving back. Do you know, literally in the Greek, the word complainer means one who is discontent or discontented with his or her life. Except Paul said, I can be content in any circumstances or all circumstances. You know, another word for a complainer is a grumbler. Everyone, grumble is like a word that like, it sounds like it reads, like grumbler. It's exactly how it is. I just wanna talk against complaining for a moment. I just don't think when we complain, we give a great witness for Jesus. I think when we sound like the rest of the world, how would people wanna have what we have? When we're meant to have a hope that no one else has, why do we first talk about the problem rather than about the hope we have? It's not that problems aren't real, they are. It's not that things aren't difficult, they're tough. But we're called to be different that the darker the world gets, the more our light shines. In fact, complaining, I reckon, is certainly not a fruit of the Spirit. It's a hindrance to the fruit of the Spirit. It's a hindrance to your peace. Complaining is a hindrance to your joy. Complaining is a hindrance to your patience. Let's stop complaining. The Bible has quite a number of complainers. Has quite a number of complainers that turned into be praises. And in fact, some of these complainers didn't become, get their breakthrough until they did some praising. I mean, Adam, look at Adam. Adam was a bit of a complainer but he didn't have much to complain about. Adam had everything set out for him. The garden was made. The work was provided. The food was given for free. He was friends with God. He had a guaranteed day off every single week. And when they eat of the fruit of the tree, his first thing was to complain to God that he gave him this woman. He never even had any other girl to compare to and he's complaining, shows the spirit of mankind how quick it is that when sin comes, the first thing we do is complain. Look at Cain, his son. You know what happens when you complain? Your kids complain. Because his son was a complainer that had nothing to complain about, yet straight away ended up, because you know what complaining leads to? Comparison. Comparison then ends up ending his, or his brother's life and his Look at Moses. Moses at the burning bush complains. Ends up with Aaron, causes him a whole lot of trouble. Then you know what happens when you're a complainer? Then the, gener the people you're leading become complainers because the Israelites were the greatest complainers in all of the Bible. Is that they were in slavery and they begged to get free, but as soon as they got free, they wanted to go back to slavery. It was so much better back there. They're hungry, so God gives them manna. And what do they do? Kind of over manna. Gives them quail, kind of over quail. And then when they get in the promised land and they can, fend, they can tend for themselves, you know what they do? They complain because they gotta tend for themselves. I mean, David, David was a complainer, but David learned to turn it around. You see, we all are gonna complain at times, but we've gotta be able to recognise when that complaining spirit gets on us and catch it. David was a worshipper. His life was given to worship, yet complaining can creep in when you go in difficult times. So he had to remind himself in Psalm 103, verse one to two. Come on, read it with me. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that's within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not His benefits. What happens when you look at the trouble in your life 
and you look at the, wa- the waves in your life and you look at the wind in your life and you look at the oppression in your life and it is going to happen, you begin to forget God's benefits and you start to bring up and remind yourself of your problems. But David, who often complained, had to remind himself, come on soul, wake up soul, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me, praise His holy Name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not His benefits. As a church, we need to fight. And as a person, people, Christians, we need to fight to get back, for, get back gratitude and praise. Gratitude is thanksgiving to God for all that He's already done for you. Praise is faith in thanks for all that God is about to do. Gratitude says, God, come on, has God done good for you? Has God been kind to you? We're gonna hear in a moment is it can't just be thought. Has God been good to you? And is God going to be good for you? We have to have gratitude and praise. When do you praise? Two times. When you feel like it and when you don't. When do you give thanks? When you feel like it and when you don't. Because I don't praise what's happening because of what's happening to me. I praise because of who's in me. So when there's a wall, I praise it down. When there's chains, I praise it off. When I'm in the good times, I give thanks. When I'm in the tough times, I declare the best days are ahead. I choose to live with a spirit of gratitude and thanks. Amen. But I tell you, this is never silent. This is important. Thanksgiving is giving honour to God. Who believes God deserves honour? I believe He does. If He is God, He deserves honour. Honour cannot be silent. It can't, and I'm gonna say this, I'm talking about God, but I wanna talk your boss, your parents, each other. If we honour each other, honour can never be silent. Honour has to be given. If you are to honour someone, you are verbally or in however you do it, you are giving them honour, not assuming honour, not thinking honour, not just saying, you can't be an honouring person but never tell. You can't be a a silent honourer. Honour and thanksgiving actually has to be spoken. That's why it's thanksgiving, giving. You have to give the thanks, not just think the thanks. See, the truth is, Dishonor starts with silence. Dishonor doesn't often come into people's lives for each other, for our workplaces, for our government, for God. Dishonor never starts by someone choosing to dishonor. It starts with being silent with our honor because you stop expressing gratitude. You stop encouraging. Encouraging can't be thought. You stop speaking life over people. If if you're silent, you don't have the ability to prevent gossip and complaining by speaking out truth and honour and hope and praying for the person. The truth is, silence is the beginning of dishonour, which is why when we get into the presence of God like we do here, I encourage you to speak and declare the goodness of God because we can't just honour God with our thoughts and we can't just honour God with our hearts. The truth is we have to be deliberate in our praise and in our encouragement and in our hope and in our gratitude. Can I ask, why do we get you to do it in here? We're training you and training me to do it out there. Because when the world is complaining, we're meant to be praising. When they're pointing out the problem, we're meant to be pointing out the goodness. When they're talking about the struggle, we're meant to be talking about hope. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
not the heart, the heart thinks or the mind thinks or the heart feels. If it's in us, it has to come out of us. And if we're just someone that says, well, I, I just don't verbalise it, then it's not in you. Because it can't truly be in you if it doesn't come out of you. Because out of the abundance, the, the mouth speaks. The Bible says, faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word. There's something about the Word of God, the promises of God, the declarations of His goodness that need to be spoken so that your ears can hear it. Not just so other people can hear it, so that others can, so that you can hear too about the goodness of God. That's why the Word of God in situations when you're praying for your kids, speak the Word over them. When you're praying for healing, speak the Word over that situation. When you need breakthrough and provision, speak the Word over it. Because if it's in your heart, it has to come out of your mouth. And when it comes out of your mouth, it goes into your ears and it creates faith in your spirit that stirs up your heart, that comes out of your mouth, that goes into your ears, that stirs up your spirit, that goes into your heart, that comes out of your mouth, that goes into your ears and into your spirit. You've got to stir yourself up sometimes and say, come on, why are you quieting? Why are you quiet within me? Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me, praise His Name. Honour has to be spoken. And a silent church is a dead church. Praise is expressed. Thanksgiving giving is given. His praise shall continually be on my lips. Come on. His praise shall continually be on my Then let's just praise Him for a moment. Come on. Tell Him. God, we honour You. Jesus, we praise Your Name. We thank You, God. We thank You for who You are. Come on, for a moment, Lord, we thank You for what You've done. We thank You that we're here. We thank You that we're dressed. We thank You that we're fed. We thank You that we're warm. We thank You that we're clothed. We thank You for Your goodness. Amen. So how do we do this? How do we change our spirit? How do we change our world with what comes out of our mouth? Are you doing okay today? Because I believe this is the key for breakthrough when you're in warfare. First Thessalonians, we put it up before, we'll put it on the center screen. It says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. I mean, you read this, it's not just saying occasionally, let's do the checking ourselves this week. Am I joyful always? Not just sometimes, am I joyful always? Am I praying continuously? Am I giving thanks in all circumstances? I reckon we look there, and the top and tail, we wanna be joyful and we wanna be in God's will, don't we? Come on, who wants to live a life that's joyful? Who wants to live in God's will? Well, how do you do that? Well, you look what's in the middle, what's sandwiched, okay? So it starts here, we're gonna work backwards. It starts with giving thanks. Because if I were to say pray continuously, I guarantee most of us, myself included, would struggle to pray continuously. Sometimes we're like, I struggle to pray for five minutes. So let me give you the key to continuous prayer, which results in joy and God's will, amen? It's found right there where it says, give thanks in all circumstances. What thanksgiving does, when you give thanks, when you live a life of gratitude, it changes your perspective. The last few weeks we talked about this. The problem with the disciples when they were in the storm was their perspective was that the waves were bigger than Jesus was that the storm was bigger than his promises and his presence. It's an issue of perspective. The reason Jesus had peace is because he had an eternal perspective. See, 
The problem that we make often that leads us to complaining and talking about the problem rather than living the life that gives thanks in all things is that the needs and the problems that we have that are real. Can I just say it today? The things you're facing are real. Please understand my heart. I'm not belittling them. I'm not trying to say they don't matter. I'm not trying to say the world isn't tough and that we all have our gear. However, what we can do is we can make those things compared to God big and God small is that we can make those things that are real bigger than they are when it comes to a perspective next to God. How? What do we have to do? What we have to do is make the things we're facing smaller and we have to make the God we worship bigger. So how do I make God bigger? Well, David gave us the clue there in Psalm, in, in, in Psalm 69 verse 30. He says, read it with me, I will magnify it. Can I say it again? I will magnify God with thanksgiving. What is the key to making God bigger? Put it back on the screen for me if you can. The key to making God bigger is thanks. When I thank Him in all circumstances, I am magnifying God and making Him bigger. See, I can magnify two different things. I get to choose. I can magnify something that's small and make it bigger. Like if I look at an, have you ever seen those pictures of an insect that is quite small, but you look at it through a microscope and it's like, and it's like ugly and scary and all. But the truth is, it's still small. But when you focus on it, it becomes bigger and uglier than it really is. It always is that ugly. The pain we go through is real, but it's small. And we often magnify the wrong things. And the things that see maybe are, not insignificant, but they are insignificant compared to His significance, become bigger than they should be in our life. And we can't help that if we focus on the problems out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth ends up speaking. The other way we can magnify, everyone say magnify, is that we can see something for as big and wonderful as it really is. We can take something or someone that may seem small or insignificant and make them as great as they really are. See, this is what happens when we maybe look at the moon through a telescope, is that we're not making the moon bigger, it's just because it seems so small from where we're standing that we feel it doesn't have significance. But when you look at it and you magnify it, and you see how big and wonderful it really is in its beauty, you realise, wow, that thing, it looks so small, is actually quite so big. See, when David said, I will magnify God, when I will magnify the Lord with thanksgiving, He does not actually make God bigger. What He means is I will make God as, I will begin to make God as big as He really is and I'm gonna make my circumstances comparatively as small as they really are. You see, so often we make God so small and we make our problems so big, but this is not the magnified David's talking about. He's saying, I'm gonna look at what I'm going through compared to God's glory, His power, His promises, His words, his record, his, what, his, what He's done on the cross, what He's given to my life, what He's done before, I am looking at it through that perspective. And when I do, it's small compared to His incomparable power. And therefore I magnify God to be as big and wonderful as He really is. We just magnify the wrong things. And the way David did that was with thanks. I will magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. Can I just say, I'm not trying to say don't live in reality. You've got to re live in reality. Jesus told us that we would have trouble. 
Gratitude doesn't get rid of your pain, but when you fix your eyes on Jesus, gratitude helps you move beyond your pain. It doesn't take away the difficulty, it just means you don't get stuck there. It means that because your eyes are not on the problem, your eyes are on Jesus, you move past your pain towards His promises. What gratitude does is gratitude accepts how things are. Gratitude, it's okay to accept how things are, but I don't put my focus and energy there because I can accept it, but my focus and energy is on what God has already done. I can now put my strength and energy to what God is going to do. So I can begin to ask, think and imagine. Everyone say imagine. When you begin to live a life of thanks to God, when you're continually thanking Him with your lips, when you're changing your spirit and your heart by what you speak and you hear, by putting your focus and magnifying God's bigness and His promises, what you do is you give all of your imagination to what is going to be. Not discounting reality, but your focus is not on the reality. Your focus is on the bigness and the goodness of God. So you might be here and you might be like, well, okay, I'm still single has been 45 years, but at least I'm not married to Him. And all of a sudden you begin to imagine what could be. Might be here and you'll be like, I'm just a poor student and I'm eating packet meat goring every night. But after this 14 years of studying medicine, I'm the one that's adding lobster to my meat goring. Shans and I right now, we're doing a cleanse. Seven days before I turned 40, we decided let's get everything healthy. So we're not having coffee. We're not eating meat. We're not having sugar. But at least I'm regular. I'm meant to be, I'm meant to be on a plane today, flying to go on a holiday to Port Douglas. This is the fourth holiday we've had to cancel. It's frustrating. But I tell you what, I've got some sweet Qantas travel credits sitting in my bank account. We might be wearing masks today, but at least I'm in the house of God today. I might be socially distancing, but I'm not as socially distancing as I last week was, as it was last week. I might be sick again, but if He healed them, I know He can heal me. I may be in a job I didn't want to be in, but at least I've got a job. And in His perfect timing, He's gonna make a way. I might be waiting before I get my house, but I'm getting to save each and every day knowing that He is my provider and He's gonna make a way. When I live with thanksgiving, I look to all that He's done. I focus on His goodness and while I accept my reality, I know His promises are greater and it takes my imagination to a place that can help me to ask, think and imagine and watch. All of a sudden, I begin to pray. It's not there anymore, but if it comes up, the moment I go to thanksgiving, it's coming any second. If we just flip over to that other Scripture. When I live in thanks, I begin to imagine. And as I imagine, it helps me to ask, think. It helps me to go and pray continuously. You have to change the language. You have to change the direction of your lips if you wanna change the direction of your life. You need to change what's coming out of here if you wanna change where you're going. Gratitude in the most difficult of times opens up doors of hope. Gratitude opens doors of protection. Gratitude opens doors of provision. Gratitude opens doors of healing. It's not that everything's perfect. Daniel, you look at Daniel. Daniel is persecuted. We think masks are persecution and like, it's ridiculous, but it is what it is. And, 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 but Daniel, Daniel, if he prayed, 
he was gonna be killed. So Daniel has all the haters. Daniel has all the bloggers. Daniel has people that's plotting his death. They get a ruling across the whole country that he can't pray. So you know what Daniel does? He goes up to his room. He opens the blinds. It says he bends down and three times a day, you know what he does? He gives thanks. Daniel's key was in the storm, I give thanks. Let's look at Jonah. Jonah's run from God. Jonah's gone on a boat. Jonah's got seasick. The storms come. The boat's rocked. They've thrown him off the boat. Jonah uh, Jonah is now in the belly of a whale. And do you know what Jonah does when he's in the belly of a whale? Jonah repents and give thanks, and then the whale spits him on a beach. We look at Jesus, He's just literally lost His cousin. His cousin has, is beheaded, and Jesus, Jesus wants a holiday. He wants respite, but as He does go to get His time alone, 5,000 men plus women and children come, and they need Him to teach. But then after He teaches a little while, they're hungry, they're angry, they're hangry, and suddenly no one wants to share what they have. And out of the entire crowd, only one little boy is willing to share the little that He has. So Jesus, for 5,000 men plus women and children, has five loaves and two fish. And you know what He does? He gives thanks. And His thanksgiving leads to multiplication. Paul, Paul is arrested for following Jesus, preaching Jesus. He is put on a boat. He is sent overseas on this boat. And then a mighty storm comes up. And it says that for 14 days, there was no sun nor stars. I mean, this is the dark night of the soul, except it goes for 14 days over and over and over and over and over again. He has no sleep. He has no rest. He's ready to die. Everyone's ready to give in. They're all freaking out. But he finds the last bit of bread and he remembers what Jesus did in that upper room and he gets the bread and says today we're going to live and he takes the bread and you know what he does he gives thanks and that day all 257 of the people on the boat are rescued because he lived with an attitude of thanksgiving you see it's not that we don't have problems it's that when I have my problems I choose to give thanks because God is good and God will be good and like Daniel we can thank God no matter what we face and like Jonah we can thank God even though we bring the consequences on ourselves, Like Jesus, we can thank God when we don't have enough. And like Paul, we can thank God in the middle of the storm. You just have to choose to give thanks. We face them. They're real. Life's tough. But we get to choose what we declare, what we focus on, and what we make bigger. Thank God not many of us are facing what Daniel faced, what Jonah faced, what Jesus faced, what Paul faced. And surely if they can give thanks, so can we. Wanna change our world? Change our words. Wanna change our spirit? Change our words. You wanna pray continuously? Begin to imagine through thanksgiving what God is going to do. This is why I will bless the Lord at all times, we'll put the Scripture back. I will bless the Lord at all times and His praise will continually be on my lips. When I praise the Lord, when I thank the Lord, when I bless the Lord, when I bless Him at all times, His praise will continually be on my lips. The way you learn to pray continually is you learn to praise continually. When you praise continually, you'll learn to pray continually because it moves me away from the greatest enemy of prayer and thanksgiving, which is worry. Which is worry. 
See, when I pray, I can go from thanksgiving to entering into His presence. When I pray, I can go from thanksgiving into His promises. When I pray, I can begin to get ready to warfare and take what is mine. But the thing that stops me giving thanks and the thing that stops me praying really is worry. The truth is the reason most people are complaining is because they're worried. And this is why when Jesus talked about prayer in Matthew, He so quickly moves on to worry because the greatest weapon against your prayer life is your worrying life. Which is why we have to continually give thanks because thanks overrides our worry because it changes our perspective. Which is why Paul says in Philippians chapter four, he says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Well, Paul, how do I do that? With thankful hearts. If I am sick of worrying, I need to get praying. But how do I shift to praying? I need to start thanking because with a thankful heart, the mouth will speak. I'll pray. With thankful hearts, offer your prayers and requests to God. Then, because you belong to Christ Jesus, God will bless you with peace and the team can come that no one can completely understand and this peace will control the way you think and feel. Come on, stand at your feet this morning. We're gonna thank Him this morning. We're gonna praise Him this morning. See, God wants to change the way you think and feel. God wants to take the burdens off you. God wants to give you peace. God wants to give you joy. God wants to give you hope. But the way you get there is you need to learn to pray. But how do I pray and posture myself in His presence and His promises? Well, the way I get to pray is I need to begin with thanksgiving. I need to remember who He is. I need to live in that place of thanksgiving and gratitude. And it is there that His peace will follow and His presence will follow and His promises will follow and the words that I speak will follow Him. It's there that when you discover thanksgiving and you discover prayer afresh, you will know the joy of the Holy Spirit and you will be in the centre of His will. Come on, are you doing okay this morning? Are you ready to stir your faith this morning? Because we're gonna praise God in a second, but it can't be thought. It can't be, no, I'm grateful inside. It can't be I'm a silent honourer. It actually has to be something that we overcome with our lips if you wanna see overcoming in your life. So it's time to magnify God. It's time to get our eyes off what we're facing while we admit it's real. And it's time to get the telescope of thanksgiving out and start to praise Him for who He is and what He's done and what He's going to do. But we can't magnify what we forget. So our first step is you right now need to remember, remember, Remember His promises. Remember what He's done and begin to pray. Open up the eyes of my heart, Lord, and begin to declare, forget not His benefits. Come on, Josh, open up the eyes of your heart. See His goodness, see His faithfulness, see His promises, see His presence, see what He's done before. And now, come on, Josh, forget not His benefits. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I pray this sermon has blessed you encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to 
lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father. He's a friend. And you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm going to say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what? Maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.